Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoop B and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. L. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint and the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, if watch out. About it, if he naming them, scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it's gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking, this is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now, and follow him. Be. At Scoop Beast, follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. Scoopy Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or simply visiting scoopbvideo.com, 2.1 million streams last year. And one of the reasons why is because we get newsmakers. 
on the line right now is a man who is a 16, retired 16-year NBA vet. It's none other than my main man, Theo Rattler. Theo, welcome to Scoopy Radio. What's going on, man? Good to be here. Good to finally make it, man. So we've been we've been running into each other periodically throughout these times, but you know, <laughs> this this COVID got us all shut down. So we we get all the interviews, man. We want it. Man, listen, listen, man. I it's been a year in the making, and now is the perfect time to do it because everybody's telling stories, everybody's reflecting, but more than anything else, man, it's it's um you're a guy that. I remember you playing for the Pistons and getting traded to the 76ers. And yes. I always thought it was weird that your your name was Theo, but it's Theophilus Rattler. There you Theophilus, go. Theophilus, Alabama. Absolutely. Theo uh, uh, had a great time with that every time we played and he was doing an announcement. Who was yeah. doing that? Bill Walton. Really? He would say, he would say that at least. 15 times <laughs> during the broadcast. <laughs> what is Demopolis, what is Alabama like? Man, Demopolis, Alabama is a good old, you know, good old black belt, you know, um, small 5,000 people town. Um, everybody know each other <laughs> in, in the town. And just um, just a great, great group of people that you know I, I, that I'm proud to, to have uh, grown up with and, and grown up in that particular town. Um, very close knit. Scoop B Radio. The 18th overall pick in the 1995 NBA Draft out of Wyoming. Here is Aaron McKee going strong to the hoop, and it's put in by Theo Ratliff, who starts the second quarter. So Ratliff and. Uh... You uh, were on a Pistons team um, that had Grant Hill, um, who um, you know was was really looking to make moves. What were those days like in Detroit early on? Well, I mean, you know, Grant was—I think he was coming off. It was his first year. Uh, my, it was my first year. It was his second year, and of course, he came in tearing the league up, coming out of Duke and having all those accolades, all American. Player of the year and, and all those things, so he had big, big expectations was ahead, um, and I, I was looking at, looking forward to to being able to to play alongside of him. Um, just a, a, a great, a great guy. Always had, had a, a impeccable, um, just spirit about himself. Um, his family, you know, more his father and, and everybody, his whole pedigree. You know, with um, just outstanding his mom and, and all those things. So uh, going into uh, Detroit and being alongside a young Grant Hill, and also we had uh, Allen Houston, Sharp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. And the Hawks getting the loose balls. That was a beautiful staggered screen for a three. And Mookie Blaylock, wow. right Theo Ratliff, close. Blaylock with points at halftime. Hawks with three players in double figures rebounding wise. Ratliff with a jumper. A sensation. Reese Lauderdale, the rookie into the game, has rejected by Theo Ratliff. And here is Williams, Jerome Williams with the stop. Yeah, and then um, we have picked up Older Stork. Um, and we had we had a, a very nice nucleus 
of young and old talent because it was uh, Joe's last year as mm-hmm. well. So um, we felt pretty confident about ourselves. And, you know, I was just, like I said, a young kid from Democritus, Alabama, 5,000 people going to Wyoming, making it to the NBA. <laughs> I was just, I was just super excited just being being on the team. <laughs> I mean, for sure. It, it just, yeah, just being in the presence of all those guys I have watched Radio. And, and seen, you know, while I was in, in college and high school and, and following careers. And because, you know, when I was in school, I was following Duke every weekend playing. You know, all these guys that were playing, I was following the NBA with all the guys that were playing. So didn't have the opportunity to be amongst those guys was, you know, uh, uh, heaven sent for me being you, a basketball junkie. No, that's fair. Scoopy Radio Ratliff with their Ratliff. You were uh, inducted into the University of Wyoming Athletic Hall of Fame in 2005, and you're still to this day a career leader in block shots at, at Wyoming. The funny thing about it is when I look at your body of work in your career, um, and even in Philly when you made the All-Star team, you know, that year was in 2001 was you actually had offensive skill um, when during your career at large. When did you right. decide that your go-to was blocking more so than scoring and you knew that that would take you to the next level? Was it a conversation with somebody in college or the NBA? When did you know that that was going to keep eyes on you and that was going to be your thing that people were, were, were going to, you know, want your services for? Because you're a 16-year vet. Well, I think it actually it, it actually took hold when I was in in junior high school. Okay, actually, because you know everybody you know everybody wants to be the the score, Doctor J, Magic. They, you know everybody wanted to be those guys, and 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 and, and then you had guys like the the David Robinsons and the the. Uh, came along the one and, and, you know, you had the, uh, Dennis Rodman. And I always looked at those guys that were similar to myself and, and tried to, tried to copy, you know, some of the, some of the great ones. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you were, I wanted to be the scorer at the same time, but everybody was trying to be the Michael George and, and, and being the scorer. And my coach was, with, with said to me, he was like, why don't you try to become the best defensive player? You can block shots. You 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 have quickness. You you're gonna be long. So if you try to become the best defensive player, it'll set yourself apart from those guys that just talk, just want to be offensive minded. And and so it stuck with me. And I just started just you know we had VHS back then, so <laughs> VHS recording. Um, those guys play and watching how they were playing. And then I would go out, you know, as, as early as, as junior high, high school and go out and try to emulate, you know, those, those just different tactics. And, and then once I got to Wyoming, um, after my, my, uh, my sophomore year, the coach got fired, but then we got Joby Wright mm-hmm. on, uh, on the defense. You know, a long time assistant with Bobby Knight, uh, with the Indiana, um, Hoosiers and him being a defensive guy himself in the ABA 
days, um, that, that's when it, it just really took hold. And he really gave me the understanding of just about uh, peripheral vision. You know, even stuff back then that it wasn't even really, really talked about as far as, okay, how do you better your peripheral vision? So he, he took me to this vision uh, clinic where I had to, um, like, hit dots and stuff, you know, from my peripheral. And it, and it made me see the court a whole lot better, it made me see the ball a whole lot better and recognize things that were going on on the floor, even though I, if I wouldn't look, I would see and recognize things before they would happen on the floor. So he, he took my defense to a whole different level. When I hear you say peripheral, you make, it makes me think about that uh, Cat Williams uh, skit. When he said a peripheral, was that a car? <laughs> a peripheral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Being able to- being able to see plays before they happen, I think, is is is, is, there you is, go. is a gift. <laughs> it's a gift for sure. You, um, the, the center position in the NBA, it, it seems like power power forwards they want to make them centers. You look at Anthony Davis. You look at Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and I feel like they've been trying to make a comeback. You look at the Sixers currently with Joel Embiid. I think he has footwork like Hakeem Olajuwon. You look at, you know, do you, do you pay attention to Joel Embiid? Oh, yes. I, I definitely pay attention to him. Um, and, you know, when when you talk about, like, centers nowadays, um, I think, you know, I was one of those, those types of uh, centers closer to what it is now. Uh, when I first came into the game, I was very slim athletic guy, but I had the skill enough to be able to play the inside and outside game, defend the outside. You know, you had, you know, some of those different things. So, um, but like a Joel Embiid, um, with the exception, they would not let me shoot outside of 16, 17 feet. <laughs> so, if you shot the ball anything close to that three-point line, they would be pulling you out the game back then. But, but now it's so I took a lot of 15, 16, 17-footers as I played, but now they didn't stretch that out. You have, you know, you got guys that are not even over three-pointers throwing that thing up like it's, <laughs> like it's clockwork and nothing's said, and, and they want them to do it. So um, so we had a guy by the name of Kerry Mills who's a sharpshooter mm-hmm. in Detroit from Michigan. Um, and he was really, you know, he was a big stretch type of four or five guy that um, always gave people problems. Once he was on, he, he could catch fire on you. <laughs> and, and with the center having to guard him out there, like you said, back then, you know, the centers were more like 270, 280 plus <laughs> playing in that middle. They had problems with getting out and being able to try to guard guys like that. If I'm not mistaken, Mark Zumoff, the Sixers broadcaster, used to call you the king of denial when you would block a shot. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it, was, it was so many different names. It <laughs> <laughs> years, man. But, but yeah, that was, that, was definitely, that was definitely one of them. Um, I always enjoyed his, his, his broadcasting voice. Spins to the bucket. Rejected by Ratliff. On the run, here comes Iverson. Three on one with Mookie back up top to Thomas. But Corbin, oh, and taken away by Ratliff with two hands. 
Joe Smith. A little head fake. Oh. Henderson, that's blocked by Ratliff. Theo, number four in the league, right behind Matumbo and blocks at Iverson. What were your takeaways from your Philadelphia 76ers? What you always remember, man, is just, you know, their, their teammates that you went to battle with, the backstories of, you know, the, the, the plane rides, the jokes, um, just the different personalities of the guys that were on your team and, and you building, especially being a young up and coming team like we were and, and just the growth that you would, that you could see everybody from the time we got there in everybody's game and the growth of us being able to, to be able to challenge and, and to be a, be a team that was, that led the league at the time in 2001, led the league and uh, wins going into the all-star break um, and, and and moving and steady moving at a steady pace uh, where you just see everybody's game that's falling into place and falling into place. So so that's, that's what you really remember, man, just the, the, the different personalities, guys, and just that camaraderie of, of being in the locker room with those guys and then being on the battlefield with those guys, being on the court. With those me, guys and fighting, fighting through some things. Tell me something. If I'm not mistaken, you guys started that that season ten and up. Yeah, I think it was actually. I think it was eleven. Maybe I, I think it might have been eleven and zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was there. Yeah, that was a that was a high time for us. We was all feeling good about ourselves at that particular time. Um, yeah, we, we, we surprised a lot of people in the league um, coming out like that. Because I think we had only been together, like, maybe this was our, maybe our third year together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we was a very, very young, up-and-coming. I think it was Allen, maybe Allen's third year mm-hmm. in the league. And then my fourth or fifth year in the league, fourth, fourth or fifth year in the league, I think it was. Um yeah, Eric Snow and the key. Yeah, yeah, we it was a a number of us, you know, on that team. Just young, Minaj Muhammad. I mean, you, you, it was a lot of young guys on that team, you know, during that time. When you were making moves that year, um, it it seemed like it was out of nowhere. Because when you look at the centers, like particularly in the 90s, you look at David Robinson, you look at mm-hmm. Jack, you look at um, Olajuwon, you look at like Ewan, you look at all those guys, right? And then you come out of nowhere. I can't say no the way. You were kicking ass. Like, what was your mindset that summer that you just emerged out of nowhere and you became an all-star there? What changed in your life? Well, I think like, like anything, man, with with, with time and seasoning um, and, and, you know, just, like I said, focus, understanding and watching film and stuff. Because, I, I mean, I was an avid film watcher, watching film all all summer, working hard, you know, for that whole summer and, and just was feeling good and confident, you know, in myself and knowing I had a role. I was I was in a in a great position, and and and, and nothing was was gonna gonna be able to stop me to because I had 
them, played in the league a number of years now. I knew all the, all the talent, all the people. And a lot of those big guys, like I said, a lot of those big guys was leaving the game. Mm-hmm. You know, still had, you know, big Shaq and, 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 and guys like that. But it wasn't a whole bunch of them big 200 Alonzo morning, 280 sound guys that was, you know, lifting the weight room <laughs> that was around. The game mm-hmm. that started, started changing in the dynamics of the center. So it wasn't, I wasn't going to be overpowered so much, um, so to speak. And, and then, like I said, my, my body, mind, everything was just sharp and, and feeling good. Um, and, you know, with, with the great uh, of, of being under Larry Brown, now we have mastered his system. And, you know, with him being such a defensive-minded coach um, and, 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 like I said, playing with the guys I was playing with for so long, they knew I was going to be there. All I, all I would tell them, look, man, don't foul them. Do, do your thing. You had great defenders. Get them to the basket, and I'm going to take care of the rest. And y'all get ready to get on the break. And, and that, that's what it was constantly. So Allen was able to, AI was able to just go out and with a record abandonment and go for steals and, and, and play, you know, just wild and out of control. And then we had a great defender like uh, Eric Snow, who was one of the top guard defenders in the league with his size, being able to body guys up and, and, and around guys. And like Aaron McKee. I mean, all of these guys, which, you know, Larry kind of built the team around, whereas guys that were very good defenders, um, great role guys that that could make a shot uh, when need be, but was going to manage the game. Everybody that he had on the floor knew their position, knew their role, and knew how to manage the game. And, and I think once we had been under his tutelage for those uh, two, three years, we felt confident in ourselves that we understood the system and we knew that when we wanted to turn out, turn our defense on, nobody in the league could, could stop us. And we showed that that first half of the season. And that was a that was an MVP season for Allen. I'm curious to know this because I was in high school uh, when I saw it and my knowledge of the game has changed, but I'm curious to know from your perspective, um, was shifting Allen Iverson to the two guard that big a transition for you guys or for him? Um, when you had Snow at the one and AI at the two, was that? Was, was oh, that no, it, it wasn't because one of the things Allen was great at is is holding on to that basketball. So he did that. We were we welcomed that change, and, and like I said, a great mind like Larry Brown knew that it would be best for him to be off the ball because. If he had to bring the ball up, it was more likely people wouldn't, wouldn't see it, and then they could key in on him all the time. He wouldn't be able to come off screens and be able to, to get the ball in, in space, you know, every now and then. And, then you, and he handled the ball almost 80% of the time anyway, because once you got it on the break, you kicked it to him, he was gone. But, but it, put a, it would have put a lot more pressure on him to try to facilitate the team and facilitate the offense um, at the point and be the main guy, the main scorer. Most of the time, you when you have that, it's a guy that dominates the ball a lot. And it, it, it can cause, 
college issues with the other team. And with the Eric, who was you know, very cerebral as far as point guard, you know, playing and, you know, coming in with the Supersonics and playing under Nate McMillan and Gary Payton, you know, just having that type of mindset, that dogged mindset on the defensive side where he was uses knew how to use his size, his, his quickness, to be able to, to um, harass smaller guards and him being, you know, bigger guards being able to match up with some of the bigger guards in the game. Um, gave us that advantage. So AI went after bigger punch of defense on the uh, point guard as well. But um, but I thought it was uh, you know it was a welcome move because like I said now I can test the ball a little bit and and then then AI used to go at it a little bit about you know passing that rock. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that was a good thing thing with us um, and. And once we understood each other, you know, I said, man, you're not open every time. That is not that thing, guy, into this box. Let me go to work. Even this thing up a little Because I know you're going to have this thing and fire it up at least 30 times a game. I just need, I, I, I'm, I'm shooting nine times a game. Now let me catch you. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah, but it was, uh, and, and then Eric had a great rapport, um, with Alex. He, he had that with, with all the team. And that's what I mean by his, his cerebral approach to the game because he knew everybody's personality. He knew when it was time to get, uh, get a person a shot to get the ball or either I just go to him as a point, as him being a point guard and being a center. You know, look for me on this one right here. And he'll come down and he'll call my number. You know, so he understood, he understood that type of, uh, um, that type of basketball to where he knew how to lead to everybody's personality. And you saw that even when he went over to, to Cleveland and, and just how he approached, um, certain guys and know how to get the best out of guys while they're on the floor. So. So I think that that was a big a big move for us that um, really helped us as a team to jam. Was I remember when you were traded to the Atlanta Hawks, and if I'm not mistaken, you, I remember that this was after the All Star game. The trading deadline is now before the All Star game, but I remember one week being at my parents' house in Jersey, the next week being at my grandmother's house. In the Bronx, and I remember looking at Ernie Johnson on TNT fan at the deadline. David Aldridge was on TV. Theo Ratliff got traded, and I was mad for you um, right. because I saw the work that you did. I'm like, damn! Did you have a heads up, or did you kind of have an inkling that you were going to be traded? No, I remember I had just the thing was I had just broken my my wrist, mm-hmm. so I couldn't play in the All Star game. I was I was named All Star starter for a year, but I couldn't play in the All Star game because I had just broken my wrist. Maybe the last it was the last two games before the All Star. Right, we were playing against Dallas. I went up to block uh, Dirk's shot, and the infamous kick your feet out move. He kicked his foot out and tripped me, and I came down to catch myself and had a sharp pain in my wrist. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, so um, 
lo and behold, you know, we played another game. Well, we came back. I tried to practice. Couldn't really practice. Um, we played another game. I was like, I should about to be broke. <laughs> so, so we went. I went and got the X-ray, and sure enough, I had cracked my uh, skate for it. And that's one of those bones that don't heal, don't get the blood flow to heal in your wrist. So they have to do a surgery and put a screw in it. And so that's when I went to get the surgery right before uh, All-Star, right before the All-Star game. <laughs> I was bummed. <laughs> I was sick. I was sick because I'm like, it's my first All-Star, man. I'm like, oh, man. It's, it's, a, it's a sky's the limit from here. And then I had this, that, you know, this setback uh, to, to have that injury. Um, and then I was, you know, I got that surgery, so I was in major pain right after the surgery. That's when the All-Star was. And when I got back, you know, we knew it was a trade deadline and everything. And then I heard him talking about that because I didn't know. I heard him talking, talking about me on, on the, on the, uh, on the team, I was like, oh, shit. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, come on. So we went, I went from being on the top team, the, the number one team in the league, to going to the worst team in the league. <laughs> Just like that. In the history. On cloud nine, all-star, top team in the league, one of the, the top center in the league, one of the top center in the league, top center in the East. And just like that, getting uh, demoted to the <laughs> to the Hawks at the bottom of the barrel. And so, uh, so yeah, that was a that was a tough that was a tough one. Um, definitely a tough tough move. Um, and all the guys, you know, I appreciate all the guys because they took it they took it hard because they didn't want it to happen. You know. And, so a lot of all the guys they kind of spoke up about it. They they really didn't want it to happen because they saw where we were going, and you know we feel like we would have been one of those young teams that were that would have been playing in championships like they ended up doing, but mm-hmm. in the championship. But but you know with with Larry he didn't he didn't feel like I would be able to come back and heal within that time with me having a screw in my wrist um, for the rest of for the season. By the time the playoffs hit, so he made that move to get the Kimbe over there and, and move me. Cause, you know, Larry don't stay stay in places more than three three years, three four years. Yeah, <laughs> so he he knew this was gonna be his best chance to try to, and he felt always felt the Kimbe could defend Shaq. Um, you know, with his height and size, ability to block shots, but you know. But most of the guys felt that he would become an anchor in the middle, which he did become an anchor in the middle uh, with the team and became two seven-footers in the paint. So driving lanes and all that stuff would change. And I knew it would happen because I knew I knew basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it, it changed up and the team didn't, they didn't gel so well um, for the rest of that, that season. The record wasn't as, as good as it was when where we were going, but they did manage to get to the finals. And, and with Allen having that great game, that first game uh, against the Lakers and getting that win, which was a surprise to everybody. And then they woke up. <laughs> then the Lakers woke up. Yeah. 
They did. <laughs> they did. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.